0: Welcome to Full Prefrontal, the show that exposes the mysteries of executive functions. This show is a collection of conversations about the role of the prefrontal cortex, which impacts your focus, planning, problem solving, emotional balance, and independence. These conversations will introduce mental tools that will empower you to shift your mindset for a successful life. And now, here's your host, Sucheta Kamath. Welcome back to Full Prefrontal, where we are exposing the mysteries of executive function. I am here, as always, with our host, Sucheta Kamath. Good morning, my friend. Very much looking forward to this conversation with today's guest. Uh, Kick it off for us, please.
1: Thank you, Todd. It's so great to be here, and we are going to have an amazing conversation. As I was preparing for today's interview, you know, I've been pondering over this important question, that is, who is explaining to our children about the meaning and value of education. Of course, our educators are supposed to do do that, but is that really happening the way that will yield or lead to most successful encounter with uh, education? You know, a lot of kids are complaining about Shakespeare's plays that they have to learn with in old English. They do not understand the meaning and purpose of calculus. I've heard say that I hate math, so I'm never going to use calculus. So this <laughs> reminds me of In 2013, the American Academy's Commission on the Humanities and Social Sciences published a report called The Heart of the Matter. And the members, you know, included many celebrated individuals, uh, including deans and presidents of universities. But the report was intended to advocate a dialogue on importance of humanities and social sciences to the future of our nation. The interesting thing is that uh, transpired after the STEM commission released a, a report on importance of science education, science and technology education. What was so interesting to me about that was it was the commission's explicit attempt to connect learning and education to the development of strong moral alignment and citizenship skills. You know, the three points that they identified was purposed, balanced solution, humanities puts on in, you know. Gets an individual in the habit of learning to think and reflect, and simply neglected, it can become a huge problem. So, as I kind of reviewed and uh, dove deep into our guest's work, he is, uh, specializes in answering these questions that how do we create uh, prepared citizens? So, with great thrill, I would like to tell you who our guest is. Today, we have William Damon. He's a professor of education at Stanford University. He's the director of the Stanford Center on Adolescence and senior fellow at the Hoover Institute. He is one of the world's leading researchers on the development of purpose and author of The Path to Purpose, which I have owned and read uh, twice now. <laughs> Dr. Damon's other books include The Moral Child, Great Expectations. Uh, he wa- It was the winner of the Parents' Choice Book Award. He has also written several books, including Some Do Care, Lives of Moral Commitment. Dr. Damon's present work includes a study that explores the development of purpose in the college years and a study of family purpose across generations. So I can't wait to talk to him. So Dr. Damon, welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you. I'm delighted to be with you.
1: Well, let me dive into this and ask you one question I ask all my guests. Tell us a little bit about your own executive function. And since we are talking about Path to Purpose, did you discover your purpose when you were young, or did you have to go through some process to come to discover that?
0: I discovered my purpose in a very general way when I was young. In fact, I remember exactly when it was because it was in ninth grade, which is, of course, the first year of high school. And I was at that time in my life a very mediocre student. And I was aware of that. I did not find much of interest in the classroom. And I always tried to get away with as little as I could without getting myself into trouble. I was aware that I would be evaluated by teachers, and I didn't particularly want to get into trouble, but I would do everything in a fairly half-hearted way. And the only thing I found of interest in school was that I signed up to be a reporter on the school newspaper. And the reason I did that was because I enjoyed sports and I loved hanging out with the sports teams. I was not eligible to compete in sports as a ninth grader, but I loved going to football games and soccer games and so on. And I would write articles in the paper about the sports games, but I was really a very bad writer uh, because I had never paid any attention to Learning how to put sentences together or write coherent paragraphs.
1: Really? <laughs>
0: and yeah. Uh, I mean, I was very, as I said, I was lazy. I was mediocre. I was only interested in the games that I went to. But what happened was one day I wrote an article about, it was kind of an interesting article about a soccer match that our. Junior varsity team had with um, a visiting team of Hungarian children, and the, of course, this was a very low-level event. But they always assigned me to the least popular events because I was such a bad writer. <laughs> that I always, I, I always covered whatever was the the lowest-level athletic events that the school had to offer. But I wrote, a, I, I was amazed at how uh, great these Hungarian children were because they'd learned to, to play soccer all their lives, and Americans hadn't at that point. And I hung out with them afterwards and talked to them about their lives, and they'd come over to this country with very little. They, uh, I remember their lunches, their mothers packed them, were bacon fat and green pepper sandwiches. And I thought, oh, gee, these poor kids, they don't wow. have very much but they were so happy and thrilled to be in America and to have an opportunity that uh, America offers. And they talked about their lives and their hopes and their aspirations. And I wrote that story for the paper and lots of my friends read it. And it was a revelation because none of us had ever really appreciated the great benefits of being American citizens. And at that moment, I understood how powerful communicating and writing could be, and doing research, which was what that was. That's what reporting is, is finding out something new in the world and letting people know about it. And I think the reward that I had from my friends saying, oh, this is such an exciting story, and thank you so much for writing it, that convinced me to concentrate on my studies and to concentrate on my executive function, as you would say, and to think about how I could become smarter and more competent, develop skills. And I actually became a good student at that point because I had learned a means to an end. I'd learned that Learning how to write well and learning how to spell and do all the all the difficult things that it takes to communicate in a intelligent fashion could serve an end, uh, could serve a purpose, in other words. And that purpose was finding out new things in the world and communicating them so that it would help people make good choices about their lives and give people information they needed. And that continues. So, so from that time on, I didn't, of course, know at the time I was going to be a psychologist or a, um, an academic doing research, but I did know that this was the kind of thing I wanted to do. And I followed a lot of pathways uh, that led me to my career now. But that general purpose of finding out things, learning about them, writing about them, communicating them, that goes back to that revelation I had in the ninth grade.
1: I love that story. It, it reminds me, I don't think I've ever shared it on my podcast. I grew up in India and I was extremely, I was a great student, very committed, never given an opportunity to flirt with education, just was, <laughs> parents were very serious about my education. My father worked for a chemical company and it was a government company, but many of his vendors would give him during Diwali, which is like, a, imagine a Christmas, a uh-huh. calendar for the year, uh, which was like a notebook calendar. And so my father would give it to a, us three children. My brothers were not interested in it. And so I would have a choice of like five to eight calendars. These books are like, a, you know, uh, for with the yearly calendar. And I would choose the one with most quotes or something very spectacular. And those kinds of calendars would have goals and missions. And then what I started doing is I would copy uh, in my younger grades, copy the, the quote that they would write on the page. And then I would not journal, but write in detail a plan for the day. And then and I know that I reflect back. That became a purpose. Now what I teach for living is teach children and and adults how to envision a plan for self. It's so fascinating. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah. uh,
0: so well, tell sure, us. That that that's how it works. You start with something small, and you build up a habit, and then you learn how to become purposeful. Uh, and it could take a while, but it starts in small steps, and it can start when you're really quite young.
1: Oh, wow. So tell us, uh, for those uh, who don't know, but what is the definition of purpose? And particularly in the psychology realm, how would you define purpose? And I hear a lot about goals. So is are goals different than purpose?
0: Yes. Well, that's a, that's a very important question. Uh, purpose is a type of a goal, but it's a very special type of a goal. It's not just any goal. And the definitional criteria that we use in developmental science contains three important components, and they all have to be there for purpose. One is it needs to be long-term, not just a one-time event. So for example, if you want to go to the movies and find a parking place in town, that's not a purpose uh, that's a goal you know you'd like to find a purpose that's not your purpose in life or even if you do something dramatic like see somebody drowning in a river and jump in to save them that's wonderful it's heroic but you would not say your purpose in life is to save drowning people in rivers because I it just happened once so a purpose is is a goal but it's enduring it's long term it, it, there's a commitment there that you're after something that it will take a while for you to accomplish, and it will endure for at least a period of time. There's no specific period of time, but it has to be more than just a one-shot deal. So that's number one. Number two, a purpose is something that you bring yourself to. In other words, you choose it. It's self-chosen. Nobody can tell you what your purpose is by command. And again, there are a lot of things that people do by command that are important. We all need to follow traffic uh, laws, or children do need to do their homework if a teacher tells them to do it. But that doesn't become their purpose unless they themselves, unless the person himself or herself says, I believe in this. I own it in a sense. This is something that matches my own beliefs, my own aspirations. So... That's the second thing. It has to be self-chosen, which means it has to be meaningful, by the way. It has to have a meaning for the person. Absolutely. And so that's very important. It has to be meaningful and self-chosen. But meaning is not enough. Or or that's, again, not there is one final thing that's important as well, which is that it has to reflect a An intention to accomplish something that's of consequence and of, of consequence to the world, beyond the self. There are lots of things that we do in life that are meaningful and we choose to do, that we enjoy. We may enjoy the ballet or going to uh, poetry readings or going to f- nice restaurants and having a delicious dinner. And all of these things are fine. Uh, they're part of life. they're what makes life rich and pleasurable. But none of them are full purposes because they don't reflect an active attempt to contribute something to the world, to get something accomplished, to do something in the world that goes beyond your own desires for gratification or pleasure or edification or anything like that. So when you have those three criteria, when it's a long-term goal, a long-term goal that is meaningful to the self and of consequence to the world beyond the self. Those three criteria, that defines purpose, and it's what makes purpose special and powerful. And uh, just as as one added point, purpose is therefore not the same thing as a lot of other concepts that are closely associated with it. You mentioned goals. Well, purpose is not exactly the same thing as goals because it's a particular kind of goal. It's not the same thing as meaning, even though purpose does include meaning. But again, and people often blurt out, you know, a life of purpose and meaning as if they're the same thing, but they're not. And it's important to keep purpose distinct as it is with any scientific concept, because you don't need if you're in medicine you don't need four different words for the concept of liver. You, know, you, you have one word for a liver and it means what a liver is. Or if you are talking about penicillin, you don't use the word in different ways uh, every time you use it. Every word has a match with semantic content. And that's very important in social science and psychology as well. Mm. And so purpose has its own unique territory. And it's because of that unique territory that it brings its special benefits to the self and to the world, which we can talk about if you want. But that's why it's so important to define purpose and use it in its own special way.
1: Wow. No, this is really, really helpful. So is it fair to say then that the purpose helps forge an emotional bond with the goals you have?
0: Of course, because if you have a purpose, it means you have a commitment. And the commitment will mean it actually becomes part of your identity It because you're committed to it. So you're very close to it. It's part of who you are with the purpose that you've dedicated yourself to. And anything that's part of your identity, you're going to feel very emotionally attached to. There's no question about that because that's that's you. That's that's your destiny. That's part of that's your that, that's the the person that you want to be is the person that is pursuing this purpose that you've chosen.
1: So this is a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek question. So if I am a person with executive dysfunction, I am not most optimal self, and I haven't learned all the skills that go into becoming most effective person, which creates a burden for my family, for my teachers or the world that I live in, because I'm just annoying, let's say. So can uh, becoming a better person, can that be a purpose? Or because it's not contributing to the greater world, but when I become a better person, I am in a position to affect the world in a better way.
0: Well, yes, if, if you see it that way, it absolutely can be a purpose. In other words, you're doing it for other people in a lot of ways. You're thinking about how you affect the world and how your behavior affects the world, how it affects your family, how it affects your friends. And so that is a purposeful endeavor. There's no question about it. If you remove it from other people and if you were to say, well, I want to become stronger or smarter and I don't care about other people just for myself, for my own pursuit of my own glory or my own
1: advancement,
0: then that would be more of a personal goal. But it becomes a purpose as soon as you're thinking about the effects you have on the world.
1: Fantastic. So why do people struggle in finding purpose?
0: Well, it's hard these days, especially. I think it's always hard because any commitment is difficult. It means you have to give certain things up. It means you have to focus and work hard and dedicate yourself over a period of time, even though it will be frustrating because these goals are not easy. And you may fail many, many times. You may never, if your purpose is something very, let's say, uh, noble, uh, such as I want to become a doctor because I'm very concerned about all the people that have cancer or Parkinson's and I would like to help find a cure for these diseases, well, you may live your whole life and never get all the way there. In fact, you probably, maybe you can make a little bit of an advance or help out, but you won't totally accomplish it. And all of that is difficult. It's it's difficult to live with this kind of suspended effort to get something accomplished that is not easy and maybe will never be totally accomplished. So purpose is sometimes a very hard road, a hard path to take, but it's very rewarding. And in fact, the rewards include having a very fulfilled sense of, of life. The other thing I'd say is that it's hard for young people because the world, as uh, you look at it when you're young and you don't know much about it, is a very bewildering place. There are millions of choices out there. None of them are clear. It's never clear what the future will bring, what a vocation would look like in 10 or 20 years by the time you finish school and what kind of choices you would make that would be purposeful these are hard things to figure out for young persons. So it's not easy. It's uh, uh, I mean, Growing up is not easy for anybody. But of course, I always say to my students, anything really worth doing is going to be hard. Uh, that's, uh, that's the nature of life.
1: So is there anything particular in education and learning through the educational process that brings an individual closer to life of purpose? Like I mean, this, again, sounds uh, weird, but does math bring you closer to purpose or science? I can't see that. So what is it about the way you learn whatever it is that you learn that brings you closer?
0: Yeah, it's, it's no particular subject. It, it can be any of those subjects. It certainly could be math or science, or it could be music or history, or in, as in my case, writing and so on. So it's not the particular subject that necessarily brings purpose. But what brings purpose is finding a use for the skill that you're trying to develop. So when you understand why it is, for example, that people do chemistry, and maybe what use you could make of chemistry, or or at the very least, why chemistry is important to human beings and consumers and why we should understand it, it's when you can answer that why question, why do I need to know this? Why do I need to learn this, even though learning it will be difficult? But why do I need to take the effort to learn this? What benefit will it bring me? What benefit will it bring the world? When ever a student convincingly answers that question, the student will become purposeful in that subject matter, in that work. And the things that help include, first of all, the right kind of instruction that helps students understand the reason that people have... Studied these subjects all these many centuries. Actual activities uh, engaged in projects, for example, where the students find a use for math or science or English, and observing other people, having good role models, uh, and seeing what it looks like for somebody to go about something in a purposeful way. Those are the experiences that help young people discover purpose in what they are doing.
1: Wonderful. So, is it Then advisable to educators who are listening to this, for example, that if there is some of these are abstract ideas, so learning itself is complex and abstract and you need to learn, but the purpose or application or use, it can be experienced or watching somebody do that. So are these field trips and immersion programs and and going on adventures, does that add to having a wider lens or does it actually directly connect, help? the student connect to the purpose, or both?
0: Yeah, Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, The answer is yes. Field trips where uh, students can see adults or people that have been successful in any number of areas, see how they actually work, and especially if it's the the kinds of things that young people get excited by, you know, a trip to the um, local uh, air museum to see uh, where maybe pilots would speak about aerodynamics or even a NASA astronaut might uh, talk about what it was like to go up in space and the science involved. Uh, I mean, that's exactly how you get young people interested in science when they see Oh it was this science that enabled this person to go into orbit. Oh my god, this is really amazing. <laughs> That's exactly the kind of observations that young people can have that will get them get them moving and get them started. So yes, field trips can be terrific if they're connecting young people with mentors with basically people who are good role models for doing purposeful work in the world.
1: So then are there many types of purposes? or there's only one type of purpose?
0: Oh, there are many, many many kinds of purposes. First of all, we've been only talking now about vocational purposes. And of course, there are many kinds of vocational purposes. Every kind of work is a, is a calling in itself. Uh, it doesn't have to be heroic or high status or anything like that. A good plumber or a good gardener or a house painter, or, or certainly, or truck drivers, or all fields and professions have people that are purposeful, that are, are incredibly valuable, that are doing skilled work that we need. And so, it doesn't have to be a high-paying job as an executive or anything like that. In fact, I would say that it's just it's at least as common with um, tra- in the trades or or that kind of work. So. All kinds of vocations can be pursued in a purposeful way as long as people believe in them and are responsible and are proud of the contribution they're making to society every there's no there's absolutely no profession no job or vocation that is excluded from the purposeful realm they're they are all call they're all potentially callings. So there are many kinds of vocational purposes. Every kind of work has one. Then there are other kinds of purposes. Uh, Faith, for example. Many people find their purpose in wanting to serve God, and that is certainly a a very uh, high transcendent purpose. Family is a purpose for many, many people, uh, wanting to raise children or uh, help take care of their extended family. That's a very important purpose. And people can have more than one purpose at once. So many people have a, a family purpose, they have a faith purpose, and they have a vocational purpose. So you're not just stuck with one purpose in life.
1: <laughs> what is the purpose? I mean, this civic responsibility and purpose towards your nation and uh, for fellow human being or community, how yes. does that fit into this all as well?
0: Well, that's. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned that. That's another very important kind of purpose for every citizen. Is what you contribute to your community, and you contribute to your local community in lots of different ways, helping, uh, serving on the school board, or helping clean the neighborhood park, or being a good neighbor. And then nationally, we of course we pay taxes, we do a lot of things that are our duties, but we also, I think, take on things that that we believe in. When you participate in the uh, civic process, uh, when you vote, when you do a volunteer work, when you serve on a jury, all of these can be done in a very purposeful way. And that's what keeps society together is people, is people being willing to sacrifice for their country.
1: So how do we go about instilling a sense of purpose in the minds of children, whether it is while they're students, whether they are good citizens of the household, <laughs> you know, a good, right. uh, you know, family member, what specific steps can one take? And it, can it be explicitly taught?
0: Well, that's a good question, too. I think it, it, to start with the negative, I think it cannot be taught in the way that you just uh, explicitly say, okay, purpose is important and here's what your purpose should be or something like that, uh, or you should have this purpose. That goes in one ear and out the other, and is not very convincing and most young people don't even know what the word "purpose means, so it it wouldn't uh, <laughs> and and they certainly don't want somebody else to write the script of life for them yes. so they want as I said from the beginning, purpose has to be owned it has to be self chosen What you can do, though, is first of all, even with very young children, you can start building up habits that give them a sense that the things they do matter to other people and they make a difference and they can contribute and they can do things that are valued. So even in the home with a very young child, with a preschool child, you can ask the child to help out. The child can help water the plants, for example, or help feed the family pet or something like that and do and or empty the trash or help mom uh empty the dishwasher or or shovel snow i mean there's lots of chores that uh, that children can do that are important to the family and it's not that that gives them a purpose right then but it begins to build a habit of thinking beyond yourself and thinking that what you do can contribute to some larger society in this case the family and once you get into school schools can of course teach children What the school is teaching is important to the world. They can teach children about society, about history, about why it's important for people to be good citizens, to be dedicated to their country, to their local community, what happens in societies when people are sharing the responsibility, how that makes things work. All of this kind of information, children are not born with, they need to learn. And school is a a very important place to learn that through history, through social studies, and and so on. So the idea of of, um, civic purpose uh, is something that schools can help promote. And, of course, vocational purpose, that's right down the alley of schools. Uh, I talked before about faith. That's more in the realm of religious institutions. But uh, certainly uh, any church or synagogue can, or any any kind of religious institution have programs for young people to help them understand how they can pursue a, a faithful purpose in their own right. And family purpose, that's something that, of course, uh, children get from their friends and family.
1: You know, you you wrote about this, and you said that the intense focus on individual performance, status, or achievement can create a real high risk uh, and can lead children to become self-absorbed. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think this is the balance that I don't know if parents have learned how to master when they want to push their children to achieve and become successful at learning, they also are instilling this bug, so to speak, how do you stand? where do you stand in comparison to somebody else? So your success, it needs to be solitary and the sense of community may be lost at that. So how can one, you know, bring balance in their perspective?
0: Well, yes, you're exactly right. I think that is maybe mistake number one that many, many well intended parents are making these days is that they're, of course, they love their children and they want their children to do well in life. And they think the way to do that is to get the children to try to be individually better than all the other children around, and that will give them a better chance to go to a high-prestige college, and then they get into the competitive college application process. And that becomes almost, a, or the parents try to make that become a purpose in itself. But getting into an elite college is not a purpose. That's a goal, but it's not even a, a very well-directed goal, I think, because uh, the important thing is, why am I going to college? What do I hope to learn? What will that give me that, I can then, that will then promote my ability to do something of consequence in the world, to help me become the kind of person I want to be? In other words, college itself is a means to an end. It's not an end in itself, and it's not a purpose. And certainly getting into a prestigious college uh, has no uh, advantage at all in terms of purposes because students can get great educations at many, many kinds of colleges. The important thing is the match. So I think you're right that parents, many well-intended parents these days, are putting too much stress on individual performance, on competitive achievement, on getting ahead as, uh, ahead of your peers. And I think that what parents need to understand is this is not in the best interest of the child, that unless the child finds a deeper meaning, a deeper reason to learn, other than just getting good grades and getting rewarded by status, the child will not continue. The, the student w- will not stick with it. And you see, lots of students in colleges these days who are burning out early in their freshman year or in their sophomore year. They just uh, they've lost steam because they haven't found a reason. They haven't found their own reason to achieve. And that's, by the way, one of the reasons that uh, mental health facilities at college, uh, at all the colleges, the counseling. Departments and the um, the various student help agencies are just overflowing with need mm. these days because because there's so many students that have come to college without having a having the right reasons for it and and they're feeling lost and they're feeling purposeless and they're drifting, and they're anxious, and as you said, they're, uh, they're being so self-absorbed that it's leading to stress and anxiety and a lot of issues that need to be then addressed through counseling or clinical mental health work.
1: You know, as you are describing this, I was wondering if, you know, purpose can inoculate you from drifting in life. <laughs> purpose can inoculate you from meaninglessness that people often experience.
0: Well, I think it can help. I don't think it's a silver bullet. It's not the only answer. There's a number of other important capacities that you need to develop in life, other character strengths. But I think purpose certainly is one of the character strengths that does help you avoid a kind of a drifting, pointless existence, especially when you're young. It gives you a sense of direction. It gives you something to aim for, to aspire for. It gives you a reason to get out of bed in the morning and learn and try and and commit yourself to something. So I do think that purpose is one of the character strengths that does Uh, help young people avoid a lot of the pitfalls of of self-absorption, of drifting, of uh, kind of an aimlessness that, uh, that will not end in a fulfilled kind of feeling about life.
1: So do you mind quickly telling us what the other components are? Is it executive function is one of them? I love well,
0: I yeah, Yes. I mean, I think you can break executive function down into uh, another number of subcomponents, but I would include things like future-mindedness, self-reflection, actively open-minded thinking. All of those are, are important components of executive function that help you adapt to the world. And that's, those are things that, in addition to purpose, help you move forward in life rather than stall and drift. There are other kinds of character strengths that are important. I think compassion is important. Empathy is important. Grit is important. Uh, The uh, persistence, sticking with something, uh, having the ability not to quit. Uh, So all of these are kind of habits, or you can call them virtues or or Mm. character strengths. And they're all important. But I think that, as I said, uh, purpose is, is one of the central ones. It's not the only one, but it's one of the key ones
1: yeah as you described this, I just finished reading uh, Walter Isaacson's Leonardo mm-hmm. da Vinci book, and he talks about um his habit of going into rabbit holes as and he left many unfinished paintings as well as he accomplished many, many things. But when he became curious, he would like um he had this one particular math equation I think he tried to solve, and uh, he has pages and pages and pages <laughs> solving that math problem that he never yeah. did even though that led to nothing or it was not part of anything. So I I see that grit and perseverance because it just builds a skill that uh, develops like toughness and endurance. Um, Exactly. Another very important thing you say that purpose is fairly late developing capacity. And that got me thinking also, you know, executive function, which are late developing skill set. So why is it or what is the mechanics of that that makes it so uh, emerged with a delay? Well, in the trajectory. Is, sure.
0: Well, some of it is is just strictly neurological that the brain needs to develop in a certain way, and I'm sure as you know, it isn't until at least puberty that there, that the brain really begins filling out in in its full way, and that enables, uh, and that of course happens in early adolescence, and that enables young people to project themselves into the future. To think, uh, to become future oriented, to think about their identity, think about the kind of person they want to be, not just now, but five years from now, 10 years from now, 30 years from now. Uh, normally, for most young people, it, it isn't until they develop the full neurological capacity that they're even able to really do that in a very clear-minded way. So Absolutely. that's one reason. So that, that's one reason purpose is late developing, and another reason is that there's a lot of things you have to learn about the world, which is a very complicated place, and you have to get out there and experiment a bit before you can really make the kind of choices that lead you to a purposeful life.
1: You know, I was thinking about this, that you need that knowledge of schema, a sense of big picture, and you need expanded experiences in the world to even know how the world operates, so to speak, you know, and it, it reminds me of my own journey when you're born and raised in India and then you travel all the way to another country. You have to learn so many ways how things are done in another country, including, uh, you know, depositing a check versus crossing the road versus how do you request somebody to take your name off a calling list, whatever it is, it has a cultural etiquette and cultural norms that you have to Mm -hmm. absorb and inculcate. So that makes sense. So
0: that's a a very good point. Yes, that's and, and that takes that takes a while. It takes it takes a while before you have all those experiences. Yeah.
1: So in closing, what do you think about the school's effectiveness in examining its impact on helping children develop purpose?
0: There are lots of types of schools out there, and I always uh, rush to say that there are some very, very good schools that really get it, that really are doing all the prescriptions that I've spoken about this afternoon with you, and so I've seen some terrific models They're in the minority, unfortunately, and too many schools are still stuck on giving young people assignments that they find meaningless and not explaining why the basic skills they're trying to teach are important and useful and interesting. And I think a lot of the school policies, the the kind of big governmental policies uh, in the past have gone in the wrong direction. I think people maybe now are realizing that and maybe there'll be a shift in the pendulum towards more personalized, meaningful instruction. But that's what schools need to do is is help young people find their interests, pursue their interests, f- find out why it is that the subject matter and the skills that schools are teaching are important and what they can accomplish with them. And all of that requires paying much more attention to individual students, having a curriculum that's extremely varied so that every student can find something they're interested in to pursue, giving students encouragement and support in pursuing their interests. and. Teaching subjects in an an interesting way so that when you teach chemistry, you teach not just the formulas, but you teach the uses of chemistry and and maybe even some stories about how the great scientific discoveries were made. That's the kind of thing that will light students up, will excite them and make them want to learn because they will understand why it is that people care so much about knowing uh, these things that we're asking the students to learn. So I think schools, there are some schools that are doing this, and I'm hoping that the schools that are not doing it will pay attention and follow the, the leadership, follow the path of the ones that are doing it right.
1: You know, this reminds me of a story of a photo- very famous photographer who pictured, I think in 50s and 60s, all the uh, old uh, um, rail railways, I guess, uh, and the carts. And, and he has a beautiful photography book, and I have it in my house. But he, when he was a young child, he lived in uh, in Maine, and uh, his house was uh, next to uh, a port, and he saw all kinds of ships, uh, all kinds of boats and fancy ships or whatever go through, and he spent hours and hours and hours in a window uh, from his first grade till fifth grade, and he could name every single one of them yeah. based on the sound it made. But when he went to school... Uh. He would not pay attention and he was punished and every time sent into a timeout and yelled at, not a single teacher asked him, what do you like? (laughs) And if somebody had found out, (laughs) they would have known that this kid can recognize a a ship or a boat by the noise it makes. What a phenomenal kid that is. (laughs)
0: That's a great example. That's a great example. We should use that in every teacher education program, that example, because that's exactly what teachers need to be paying attention to. Very good.
1: (laughs) Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today and particularly helping us connect the relationship between executive function and purpose, because sometimes I find that struggling students are so bogged down by the skills that they don't have. That the parents yeah. and teachers' attention goes on to helping them develop the skills, but the skill development purpose is lost on them. And exactly. also, it's always framed in a negative way because they're falling behind. Or rather, Great. so there's a threat that if you don't do it, you're going to somehow becoming going to become somebody useless to the world, which is so not yeah. true. Yeah. <laughs> so well thank well you, said. thank you so much, Dr. Damon. If you have any closing thoughts before we close. No,
0: I, th- I thought this was a, a very thorough uh, and good discussion. So uh, onward with your with your important work.
1: Thank all you so much. Have a great day. All right. Okay, That's
0: thanks, all the time we have for today, if you know of someone who might benefit from listening to today's episode, we would be grateful if you would kindly forward it to them. So on behalf of our host, Sucheta Kamath, today's guest, Dr. Bill Damon, and all of us at Cerebral Matters, thanks for listening today. And we look forward to seeing you again right here next week on Full Prefrontal. Thank you for listening to Full Prefrontal, exposing the mysteries of executive functions. To contact our host, Sucheta Kamath, and learn more about her work on improving executive functions, visit her website at CerebralMatters.com. That's CerebralMatters.com. Tune in next week for the next informative episode of Full Prefrontal.